Mr. Albert. Hey, Merry Christmas to everyone. Uh, thanks for playing Diana Krall. Man, oh. I just think she's one of the yeah. greatest of all time. So that, uh, appreciate that. I hope everybody is uh, is got their shopping all done and uh, just can relax a little bit and not have to worry about that and can sit down and just watch birds maybe out the window because boy they what better to connect us to nature and to the world and uh, i watch chickens chickens on a, yeah on a warm december day right before the tornadoes hit here oh. and they were outside feeding at a buffet of things on the ground and during my salad days I heard the story of a chicken surviving a tornado after being stripped completely of its feathers. Oh, my. Before it always went, it doesn't have a single feather. And plucked clean, <laughs> I think, was the, the common thread there. I suspect that the chickens might have been found alive after losing many, but not all of their feathers due to fright or stress molt that sometimes happens to birds. Uh, chickens are native to the tropical jungles of Southeast Asia, and our domestic chickens descended from the red jungle fowl. Um, <clears throat> the chicken is the world's most numerous bird, I think, without probably uh, a whole lot of competition. They... Uh, I'd heard all those stories, and I remember, and I'm not going to remember the name of the person, but he tested this. He shot poor chickens out of cannons and everything else to see if wind could actually uh, remove all their feathers. And if the wind did remove all their feathers, you would have a dead chicken. But I heard that story, oh, I don't know. Every time there was a tornado anywhere, it seemed like somebody said, I remember the time found one of the chickens didn't have a single feather on it and i wanted to say you know was somebody plucking it for the pot or what was going on there but i didn't because i thought it was a great story so al since you mentioned tornado heartland was at the heart of the latest tornadoes we had so our listeners are probably wondering how you are did everything come through and how about your neighbors yeah we did uh, pretty well one of the neighbors they had a three thousand gallon poly tank roll it'd be two and a half miles from where it was roll into his yard and park near his house which was just an odd thing i saw in town there was a trampoline up in a uh, tall tall tree we lost a lot of trees our little bank was uh, built in 1912 and it uh, suffered uh, uh, greatly i don't know that it will be uh, if they'll if they'll have to rebuild, I don't know that they can uh, fix that. But they've got a structural engineer. They had the adjuster out. And he looked at it. Now getting a structural engineer. So that uh, was sad. Uh, I had to go into town yesterday, and I just stopped and parked and looked at that building because it had been a great part of my life. I remember as a kid, uh, Kenny Sibrud, who ran the Sibrud's grocery store across the street would park me over by the bank and I'd be holding a catcher's mitt and he was a great softball pitcher and he would throw pitches across the street. We'd have to wait for traffic so we got (laughs) breaks. But I just loved that, sitting over there by the bank and everybody would walk by and say something. You know, they were kind for the most part. Once in a while you get some, maybe teenager would uh, smart off a little bit, but it was fun being over there and Kenny Kenny, um, owned a grocery store and he uh, cut meat and things but he much rather 
pitch softball than do any of those things. So he would sneak out of the back of the store and uh, pitch to me. And he was uh, an adult, and I was a kid, and I just thought those were some of the coolest days. That uh, store is gone, but the, what they put in was a little park with a cabana and everything, and the tornado took that. Where I, my dad did all his Christmas shopping was Einer's Hardware, that's been taken over by a contractor, and the rear end of that went. Our post office is closed, so now people have to go seven miles to get their mail. And I know a lot of folks say, "Well, seven miles—that's nothing." But you, if you're little towns, people walk uptown. A right. lot of them they walk into the post office. They're in there for 20 minutes, not just getting their mail. They're visiting with everybody. It's a person-to-person social media, the good kind of social media, where the kind of people check in. They see everybody's okay. And now all of a sudden they've got oh, seven miles. So yesterday I had a nice long discussion with the mayor here, who's Kelly Routh, and we're seeing if the post office will put it into the community center that the city and the township share or maybe one of the other buildings in town. Of course, they all have to meet post office approval, so we're hoping to do that so people can still get their mail and packages uh, locally here instead of having to drive. And uh, I'm sure a lot of folks will, somebody will go and maybe pick up all everybody's mail if they're allowed to do that. But it's a lot of trees down and uh, the blessing and it was a great christmas gift in that nobody was injured oh, but good. what a noisy what a noisy thing that was it uh, was on the ground for over 2 miles and so it was i think it was 3 minutes was all that it took for it to go those 2 miles well, but it was just where are you in relation to heartland i mean you're not right in town i know that much so so give us some perspective of how far away you were yeah, I'm like three and a half miles, oh. probably. Uh, so uh, I, we got a lot of sticks down. I don't know if the winds were so strong. I don't know if there was roof damage or anything. And it was a, uh, I was in, I did a Christmas bird count in Austin. And my area was oh, down Lyle and south of Austin. And all the trees down over there, uh, I didn't see a whole lot of structural damage other than when a tree uh, fell on a roof or it was leaning on a roof but boy they had so much uh, damage over that way too so a lot of folks were out sawing up and stacking wood and that sort of thing so it was a you know in minnesota in december tornadoes we shouldn't have tornadoes taking down christmas decorations it's just not right so as i've been telling everybody i said with apologies to all my uh, english teachers that ain't right and it just isn't but uh, again nobody was hurt so we will uh, bounce back better than ever well, but we'll I want to share with you some a couple listeners have shared with me one said uh, is is Al unavailable Lona and I wonder if he and Gail made it through the tornado and winds that hit Heartland so that's from Tim and another listener I love this his name is Micah I, I think it's a he Micah says I sure hope Al Bat outlives me I just can't imagine the world would be so pleasant without him happy he is safe aww uh, Micah thank you very much I got a nice email from Micah and probably talk a little bit maybe about that next week uh, his email so I appreciate that very very much that was very nice. I know the. I say this over and over again. I know the nicest people on earth. 
I've uh, been hearing from more and more people in the cold. You know, it's winter now, and winter brings increased reports from readers and listeners of wild turkeys in backyards. Uh, wild turkeys become feeder visitors sometimes, go under the feeders for the most part, although if, at the Nature Center in Austin, we have uh, there's some platform feeders, and I see them fly up under those platform feeders and feed up there, and it's just a odd thing to see this huge bird on this small, it's bigger than the platform feeder in cases, so it's it's an odd thing. The day after the tornado passed here, the crows were you know how vocal crows are. They just go on and on and on. Uh, the truck drivers would call them ratchet jaws. They just uh, never stop. They were more vocal than than normal, and perhaps they'd found surviving the brutal December storm cause, C-A-W-S, sorry, for celebration. But I'm sure they had reason for the noise, as crows didn't make it to where they are today by being stupid. I did the Austin uh, CBC, as I mentioned. I, uh, on my way home, I saw a beautiful rough-legged hawk. It has these little wrist patches, and it was, uh, it was hovering as it hunted, and it was just so cool to see it. The only sad part about that was it wasn't in my territory. So I called the folks that were uh, in there and said, I called the guy that was in charge of it, Terry Dorsey, and said, if you want to let those people know where that bird is. So I hope they saw it. Uh, Susan Wagner, who listens from Maine, says, Al, I'm curious to know whether you have ever identified a stick bird in a field. I have seen the famous stick heron. And recently, the patch of snow on a dark tree trunk, bald eagle. My spouse holds a record, though, for his rock whale. We had a great triple crown viewing of a brown creeper, a golden crowd kinglet, and a very noisy winter wren last week. No snowy owls yet. Uh, Susan, I have seen uh, bag birds, clump birds, grass birds, branch birds, leaf birds, uh, bottle birds, uh, Roger Tory Peterson told a story of walking a beach and seeing a bluebird down on the beach sand and thought that was kind of an odd place. And he's uh, he was telling somebody else about it, and that turned out to be a broken blue bottle. So it's hmm. uh, everybody makes those mistakes. Uh, Chad Hines says, Thank you, Marty and Jim, for all the hours that you dedicated counting rapper, raptors this fall at Land of Memories. Enjoy the off season. I hope you'll be back to count March 1st of 2022. I was out in the field on Thursday and found several bald eagles still moving south along River Valley south of Mankato. I had four rough-legged hawks, an American kestrel, and a late northern harrier. There may still be a little migration occurring even if our fall count has come to an end. They had uh, 7,630 raptors, or birds counted this fall. They count turkey vultures, too. Uh, 3,302 of those were broadwing hawks. 2,627 were turkey vultures. So those two species made up the bulk. How does the 7,630 compare uh, to other years? Last year they had 8,790. 2019, they had 10,014, the highest count they've ever had, 11,881 in 2016. And again, these are just the fall numbers. Uh, Merrill and Karen Freindahl of Mankato moved to a new home. They've seen 20 species at the new home, and they said they can see 250 Canada geese out their window. 
John Hakama found a snowy owl in Waseca County. It was on uh, highway, just off mile marker 157 on Highway 14. That would be eastbound right before the County Road 2 exit for Waseca. Heard from the uh, compiler of Mason City Christmas Bird Count. Said they had 45 species this year, which is low. They think the high winds, and they they had a drought they're experiencing, that number is more than they expected. They had 439 trumpeter swans, uh, six species of ducks. They had an American widgeon, uh, harriers, ruffies, which are rough-legged hawks. They had 52 bald eagles, a saw-wet owl, a pileated woodpecker, northern shrike. They had one robin. Strange, you know, if you see, usually have a mini flock of robins one robin uh, purple finch also one common red pole again uh, just have one they had no pine siskins uh, brad baldwin is a compiler to fairmont christmas bird count and he had i counted the ones he saw on uh, the 14th plus which would have been a beautiful day to count plus the ones seen during the count week and they had 51 species and that included greater white-fronted geese snow geese cackling geese trumpeter swans they had a number of ducks shovelers scop golden eye merganser uh, he also had northern flickers golden crown kinglets brown creepers red-breasted nuthatch horn lark on my uh, count in austin i did not see a single horn lark but we did ours on Sunday, and it was so windy that if I was a horn lark, I wouldn't be out on the road either. Uh, Brad also had snow buntings, red-winged blackbirds, rusty blackbirds, common red pole, purple siskin, or pine siskin, and purple finch. I almost made it into a purple siskin <laughs> and a pine finch. That'd be two new birds. And, and a, I got this. You didn't say from, and a partridge and a pear tree. I didn't hear that no, at all. No, And two turtle doves, three French yeah. hens. <laughs> Well, those are missing. <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> I heard from the uh, ICF, which is the International Crane Foundation in Baraboo, Wisconsin. And they said the Oklahoma Department of Wildlife Conservation and the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service are investigating the death, the result of an outrageous illegal shooting event. We are very angry and heartsick. The International Crane Foundation, along with many partners, has invested millions of dollars and decades of time and expertise to bring whooping cranes back from the brink of extinction, and in an instant, four birds are gone forever. Mm. So I don't know what kind of person would do that, but uh, I feel sorry for them. Uh, a, uh, a caller told me about a mouse. They had a mouse in the house, and... Uh, I'm going to take a picture of an angry mouse this year, <laughs> and then I'm going to send it every, to everybody next year as a Christmas card. It'll be a cross mouse card. Well, this nice person said wanted to know what kind of mouse it was, and it, and the description said it looked like a little rat, so I think it was a house mouse, and they're very, very common here. And then the listener said, well, how many mice do we have in there? And I said, oh, you know, there's uh, billions. And he said, no, no, species. <laughs> I said, boy, we have a house mouse. <laughs> we 
we have a meadow jumping mouse, we have a woodland jumping mouse, we have western harvest mouse, deer mouse, and there's two subspecies of the deer mouse. There's a prairie deer mouse and woodland deer mouse. We have white-footed mouse, northern grasshopper mouse, plains pocket mouse, and the largest member of the mouse family, it's not the moose, I know some of you are thinking that, it's not the moose, it's the Norway rat. And I'm probably wrong, but I believe once upon a time there had been a corduroy mouse, but it went extinct because it was too easy for owls to hear them when they walked by. They could hear the corduroy. Uh, uh, These undomesticated species that live near and benefit from human beings, in the mouse world it's probably the house mouse, deer mouse, white-footed mouse, and the rat. And those are the four that enjoy playing hide and squeak in our homes. So you have to, it's uh, that time of year, you know, when fall hits and cold weather, they want to come in and join us. They want to sit by our fireplace and enjoy the winter. And plus, we have little food scraps. You know, if we eat in the house at all, there's things that fall to the floor, little tiny things that we don't see or notice, a little bit of a toast or something. These little guys find them. They're down there and they find all this. So there's always food for them to eat. Even if we keep our other food supplies out of their reeds, they still find things down there. Uh, Maybe um, a little bit of cat food or dog food. There's just so many things down there for them to eat. And they can survive and can only imagine how good they feel being in a house where they're out of the wind and it's nice and warm and I think they must just think they've died and gone to heaven to be here with us and uh, we're not quite so happy to have them here Mm -hmm. as they are. Uh, Before all this hit, an insect landed on my shirt. It was a a sunny fall day yet. It was that warm day right before uh, December 15th uh, when we had our tornadoes here. And it resembled a large mosquito, but it doesn't bite humans. It was a crane fly. It's got an inch and a half long body and a three-inch wing spread. And it looks like a mosquito. So that's enough to scare most people. They see one that big. In colloquial speech, crane flies are sometimes called mosquito hawks or daddy long legs. But to me, mosquito hawks are dragonflies. And daddy long legs are those arachnids called harvest men, which people call spiders but they're not spiders and they don't produce silk and they aren't venomous i found daddy long legs with fewer than eight legs because they'll shed legs grasped by predators and cannot regrow them but this was a crane fly and they are just they're harmless and i get them in the house once in a while in the fall they come in with me i think when i come in through the door and they're they're beautiful insects well what do they eat al I think the adults eat pretty much nothing. Oh, okay. They just have pretty much one thing on their mind, oh. and that's <laughs> procreation. And so they're out there. And then they end up in my office here saying, what am I doing here? This is, a, this is no nothing of interest for me in here. And um, they're beautiful things, but I know every year uh, people see them and they just think, oh, my goodness, this is, must be a winter mosquito or something because it's just, it's huge, and uh, how much blood could that suck? This thing could drain me dry <laughs> in about five minutes, but uh, they're nothing to worry about. And 
if you can, you know, and the weather's nice, just let them go outside. They're, they do no harm, and they're just trying to get by like everybody is. I, I do want to thank everybody. I got more phone calls and texts and emails and everything, um, pretty much just saying, are you okay? And I wanted to tell everybody else, I hope you're okay. Uh, we uh, uh, They're just one of those things that happen in life and nothing... Uh, there's uh, very few surprises after you've lived so long. You just think, well, yeah, stuff <laughs> happens. You, just, you, used to, you never thought. Who would ever thought a tornado in December in Minnesota? That's in, just, uh, by Little Heartland especially, right? Yeah, and, uh, oh, you know, Good Morning America was here. Oh, really? And, you know, <laughs> if, you're, if you're a TV reporter, it's a dream of a lifetime, I think, to come to, <laughs> to Heartland. a... Well, to a natural weather event, don't you think? You know, to stand outside and the wind is howling and you're interviewing somebody there, and that's just, that's um, that's what your job is about. You, you know, dream of probably doing that. Al, that was my former life, you know, as a reporter, and I'll, I'll never forget this this uh, one time. Remember how the... the uh, Wind chills used to be calculated differently, so they'd say like it's 80 yep. below wind chill or 60 below wind chill. Well, this was back in the late 80s and early 90s when I was a reporter at KEYC. And I'll, you know what a stand-up is? That's when the reporter's out there with yep. the microphone freezing their, you know, what off. Well, I was out there, and it was, you know, talking about how it's 80 below wind chill, and if you be out here for more than 10 minutes, your, your face is going to freeze off and, you know, basically fall off, that kind of thing. And I had this big downy coat on, you know, because it was cold and it was windy, whipping winds and got back, put my story together. And the next day, the the news director called me in the office. I thought, oh, he's going to say, you know, great story, because I think it was uh, I was out along Highway 14 or someplace doing this stand up as the wind was just just fierce. And he said, uh, he says, you got to uh, that coat makes you look fat. And I said, what? It was a down coat. It was a down coat. Of course it made me look fat. It was it was like 80 below. And, you know, it, it was funny. Um, this is, you know, hopefully things have changed today. I don't know. But I, this is back in the late 80s, 90s. But, I mean, I was probably 25 pounds less than I am now. And I'm not that big of a person. So imagine little me in my big down coat and the news director telling me I look fat because I'm wearing a, a heavy mm. down coat. And it was not a bad coat. It was new coat, actually, just thick and heavy. And said I needed to get a more stylish looking coat so it would look better on TV. Now, on the other hand, the male reporter who was bigger and had a down coat, they did say nothing to him. So uh, that was my experience thinking I did a great job freezing myself off. And I did get actually frostbite in my ears and things. But um, yeah, so oh, it's yeah. okay in my mind. You, w- you can wear a down coat. And if you look bigger than you are, it's okay because you might save your ears or your toes. Oh man, that's that's sad. I yeah. I hope there's nobody out there that says I can't watch this because Karen looks too looks, big. That person looks fat. <laughs> You're right. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to another channel where they have thinner people. I, I just hope nobody oh. thinks that way. I do want to thank, boy, all the firefighters, the police, the utility crews. I'm going to leave somebody out, I know, but government entities, charitable organizations, volunteers, and the media, because they were there. Uh, I know, again, talking to the mayor, Kelly, yesterday, and he said uh, he had to chase some of them out because they wanted to be right. You know, the wind was terrible for a long time. And he said, there they are, there's pieces of metal flying around, and they're setting up there, and he would go tell them they had to leave. And uh, 
they didn't want to leave. And then uh, he said, uh, the one, the policeman came and just said, this, I'll let them be there. So I don't know what that's about. But, yeah, they had, uh, oh, I don't know, WCCO and KAAL and KEYC and um, the one uh, from uh, Rochester and uh, Channel 9 from the cities and Good Morning America. And there were uh, about as many media folks there as uh, actual residents of Heartland because <laughs> Heartland isn't. Right. I think there were 40 houses damaged, too, so oh, I should mention that, which is very sad. Some of them severely. Uh, the one guy, his motorhome was tipped on its side. And he was smiling. He said, well, you know, I don't worry about anything that's in the hands of the insurance now. And you know what? They can have that motorhome, too. I'm not fixing <laughs> that anymore. So he seemed to be kind of thinking, well, I'm well rid of that thing. So it was uh, it was interesting times, well, I guess. we are so happy that you and Gail are safe and that nobody was hurt there. And, you know, things like my mom always said, things can be replaced. People can't. So we're very, very glad. And I've, I looked on the text here we have, and a couple other people were saying, "Hope Al and his family are okay." So a lot of folks out oh. there were thinking of you, and I and I was too. I I think I actually I sent you a note and just asked how you were doing. You did, yeah, because I was just concerned, and so we wish well, you. Because I owe you money. You oh yeah. Make sure I'm okay, <laughs> so I can pay you back. Right. We wish you and Gail the the merriest of Christmas, happy holidays, and you you know get some chance to just enjoy, like you said, watching the birds, and hopefully we'll get a little bit of a white Christmas because it's kind of brown right now. And that was interesting, bringing up the windshield. I remember my dad, I didn't like wearing gloves. And if you oh. talk to my wife, I still don't like wearing them. And my dad would say, it's 912 below windshield. Put on some gloves. And so it yeah. was because they were always so cold. Uh, boy, thanks for everybody. Uh, I appreciate you. And uh, I hope you all have happy holidays, Merry Christmas, all those wonderful wishes that we want to give everyone. Um, I, I attended a sheep auction in England. And before the auctioneer began his banana oil, you know, they all have that banana oil, just that nonsense they throw out. The tailgate of a truck fell open with just the loudest bang you'd ever heard in your life. And it reminded me of a sketch Johnny Carson performed as Karnak the Magnificent. Karnak was a mystic from the East who psychically divined answers to unknown questions. So his sidekick, Ed McMahon, would hold these envelopes that had been hermetically sealed and kept in a mayonnaise jar on Funkin' Wagnall's porch since noon that day. And Ed would say, no one knows the contents of these envelopes, but you, in your mystical and borderline divine way, will ascertain the answers having never before heard the questions. And Karnak would hold an envelope to his head, and he'd give the answer before tearing open the envelope and removing an index card that had the question on it. And the answer that came to my mind was Sis Boomba. And the question was describe the sound made when a sheep explodes. <laughs> I hope no sheep explode around any of you today. Thank you for being the best people on earth. Thank you, Karen, as always. Enjoyed your company. Have a Merry Christmas. You too. Thanks, Al.